Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, National Director of Precept Ministries in Canada. Thank you for tuning in to Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada, and we are so thankful for each and every one of you. Whether you are listening on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or you are joining us for the video version on YouTube, uh, what a great opportunity it is to engage in God's Word uh, as we release new episodes every other week. Uh, share the podcast with others. We want this to reach out across the country so that others are uh, studying and engaging in Scripture. If you are studying along with us using our Jude Precept Upon Precept book, amazing. Thank you for doing that. Or if you are using the NISS, the New Inductive Study Series on Jude, well done, folks. We want you to study along. We want you to observe, interpret, and apply Scripture for yourself. Use this podcast as an opportunity to see that you are learning the same things I'm learning in the text and what a blessing it will be. Folks, before we dive into lesson two, uh, let me remind you of a couple things that you need to keep an eye on within Precept, and that is that we've got the Problem with Evil Conference coming to a location near you uh, in the next number of months. We are looking for a couple of locations to offer this conference. If you're interested in having a conference about why does God allow suffering come to your church, please email us at training at preceptministries.ca, and we would be happy to talk to you about what's involved in doing that. And uh, we have a team. We have a team of people that are going to work together to make sure that this conference goes off. We want to engage people in Scripture. We don't want to charge them any conference fees. And so this is uh, vital for us to uh, find locations that are willing to host us. We don't want to have to um, look for big venues or anything like that. We want to make this as accessible as possible for the people across Canada. One more one more way that you can actively be engaged in precept is through giving. We would love to have you uh, give to the ministry. Did you know that in our ministry, we have over 8,000 people actively involved in students, in studies across the country, but less than 600 people give to precept on a regular basis. And we're looking for 2,500 people to give in 2024, uh, a commitment of $100. That's $2 a week. That's less than a coffee. And we would love if you would to go to our website, click give and commit to giving uh, $100. And if we get 2,500 people to give $100 to precept, that's $250,000 for ministry in Canada. Things that we can do with that money is like French translation. We keep offering all of our events for free and we don't have to start charging people for all of these different things. Within that vision, man, I would love, I would love folks if we could raise those dollars to offer all of our materials to be shipped for free across Canada to cover those expenses as well. But we we need the Lord to provide in great ways for us to be able to do these things, to make Bible study accessible for Canadians all over the country. All right, so you can find out all of this information right at our website. Thank you for going there, looking into Precept. Thank you for tuning in again. Let me pray. And let's get right into this week's episode. Father, we do thank you for uh, the time that we have together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. And we thank you for this letter that Jude has written. Father, we're so thankful that he was obedient to, to listening to the Holy Spirit when his intention was to write in one manner and he changed the way he wrote. And Lord, uh, this letter has become so vital for us today. Uh, encourage us with what you have for us in this episode. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me remind you, as we work through Jude, we did the overview last week. We were 10,000 feet in the air. We looked at the uh, ungodly. We looked at the recipients. We looked at the author. And we also found the reason for writing. We learned last week that the context, the historical context of the church is a lot like today where there are false teachers who have crept in unnoticed in the church in the time of Jude, 
there are false teachers in the church today that we need to pay attention to. And what ends up coming down to is the reason for writing, contend for the faith, contend earnestly for the faith, fight for the truth of the word of God. And so here we are in this position again, we've got to be people who know the word of God and fight for the word of God. Why? Because we have a lot in common with the recipients of this letter. So maybe this is our week to look at the episode of and talk and discuss about the common salvation that we have. Maybe we get to write the part that Jude wanted as we look at the text. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take verse one and we're going to look at the three names, the three pieces of identity that Jude gives to uh, these recipients. And we're going to break them down one by one and look at the scriptures and what uh, cross-references have to say about each one. And then we will then apply. So we're only going as far as Jude verses 1 to 4 this week. In episode 3, we're going to break down the ungodly. Episode 4 will be a completely different topic. And then episode 5, again, remember, application, application, application. How do you and I contend earnestly for the faith today? All right, so let's look at uh, the first let me give you the whole verse first, and then we'll look at each one. Uh, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, number one, two, beloved, number three, kept. So we're going to look at each of these words now separately. Called. Let's start with called, and that's the word kletos, and it means invited. It means divinely selected and appointed, and in the Gospels. All right, in the Gospels, the way that word called is used is in the, in the context of being an invitation. It's used in the parables as an invitation to participate in a wedding. All right, so what we're going to look at in our context here is what does it mean to be called? All right, so we're going to look at Romans chapter 1, and in Romans chapter 1, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, which we covered in the previous podcast. If you want to go back and look at uh, the book of Romans a little closer, you can listen to uh, that whole episode, those series on Romans. All right, Romans chapter 8. We know the chapter. We know the chapter well. Uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that's not the verses we're going to look at. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8 verses 28 to 30. And he says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. And to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, uh, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. These whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, the word called here used a number of times. Called according to God's purpose. And then he says that we are uh, predestined. We, he's called us and he's justified us. And those he's justified, he glorified. Obviously, Paul is talking about believers. The significance here is that the called or the invitation that's being put out is for salvation and salvation by faith. It's for those who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. They are the ones who, who are invited. Those are the ones who received the invitation, accepted the invitation, that went out and believe. All right, if you want more information on Romans chapter 28, or Romans 8 verses 28 to 30 on that predestined and foreknowledge, which are topics that people debate quite a bit, go to the Romans podcast. Listen to what uh, was taught and what we covered there. Even better than going back to the Romans podcast, look at the scriptures for yourselves. Observe what Romans 8 says, use cross-references for interpretation, and then once you've observed and interpreted, then you can apply what, uh, that, what the scriptures are telling us when it comes to foreknowledge and 
predestined. All right, let's look at a ne- the next verse uh, where the word call is used, and it is used in 2 Timothy. All right, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 8 and 9. So let's see what uh, Paul has here. And uh, again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 8 and 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. Again, do you see the principle of call being used here? The idea and principle is called into the faith through Jesus Christ and not according to anything that we have done. All right, so uh, you can't earn an invitation as much as we might want to try to earn that invitation. That invitation has been sent by the one having the party or the wedding or the feast or the gathering. And so um, you can have that and you can go according to Jesus. So the invitation comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at another passage, and that is 2, Timothy, uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to uh, to 14. Our 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 12 to 14. Here's what he says. In order that they may be judged who uh, did not believe, uh, in order that he may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether the word of mouth or by the letter from us. Did you hear the word called used again in 2 Thessalonians 2, 12-14? Uh, it was for his purpose that he called you. How? Through the gospel. And that you may gain glorification. How? Through Jesus Christ. So stand firm. So the principles here are that you are called through Jesus, that God has chosen you uh, for from the beginning. For what purpose? To be saved, to be sanctified by the Spirit, and through faith and truth. Uh, you can't earn it. All of these things Uh, show us that the invitation, the invite, the calling is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, we have that in common. We have that in common with the recipients of the letter that Jude wrote. Let's look at another passage where the word calling is used. It's one of my favorite passages, and if you if you haven't picked up in the cross in the different episodes of the podcast, uh, two of my most favorite books of the Bible are First and Second Peter, and we're going to be going back and we're going to do First Peter uh, next time after we come through the five episodes of Jude, and I'm really looking forward to digging into First Peter. Uh, as we uh, get to study that together. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has done what? He has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So not only did God call us, okay, not only did he give the invitation through the gospel to be a part of the family of God, but we are also called to proclaim. So not only just to receive the gospel and sit back and wait for the return of Jesus Christ, we are called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. And so we have this vital importance that you and I, what do we have in common? We share the common salvation with the recipients of Jude, but we also must not sit back. 
We must not sit back and wait for the return of Jesus Christ, but we must proclaim the gospel until Jesus returns. That is a part of contending earnestly for the faith. It's not just taking all that knowledge, allowing it to soak into ourselves and not do anything with it. We've got to take that knowledge that we learn and we gain that help us to stand firm on the principles of truth, but we need to take that truth out. You see, in a battle for truth, you've got to take it out so that the gospel by its power can turn people from darkness, from the darkness of lies into the marvelous truth, which is light. This is what we need to do as a part of the purpose of contending earnestly for the faith. You aren't just called and invited to the wedding. You can't sit back. You've got to participate in the wedding. One of the things that I uh, loved when I was, you know, even when I got married or when I've been a part of weddings or I've uh, helped perform weddings, when, when we were doing these covenants with God, we would have the congregation stand up. And we would have them, all the people who were invited to the wedding, and we would have them stand together and we would say, you are an active part of the building up of this marriage. You are going to be there for these people. You are going to encourage them. You are going to stand with them and you are going to help them in this marriage to be a success. I have heard stories from when I was pastoring where people who were young married couples that wanted to get a divorce, that things weren't going well in their wedding, that people who stood up and confirmed to stand with them at the, at the wedding, that they came alongside and they said, no, you made a covenant before God. We were all a part of that covenant, and therefore we are going to contend with you to, to ensure that this marriage is successful. And so this is how Jude is calling us together as the called. We are the called. Not only are we called to in, be invited to the great day when we will be with Jesus forever, but until that day comes, we are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't sit back and idly wait. We're in a war. In a war, we must be on the offensive. We must take the truth of the word out to the people and help remove the blinders of all of the lies that are out there right now. All right, so that's the first word. I mean, that's only the first word, folks. We've got two more words to go. Uh, the second word is beloved. All right, the word beloved is used five times within these 25 verses. All right, he says it right in verse one, beloved by God. Uh, he uses it uses it in verse 2, the word love, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Uh, also found in verse 3, beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you. Verse 12, it says, these men, they're hidden where? In your love feasts. And then down in verse 21, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, it's vital for us to understand how important it is to be known that the word love or beloved is a vital part of this letter. Uh, let's look at another area within scripture where the word beloved and loved is used in the same context. And it is uh, Romans chapter 9, uh, verses 22 to 26. All right, Romans chapter 9, uh, 22 to 26. It says here, What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called not from among Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Did you hear that? Called from Jews and Gentiles. He says uh, also to Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it is said to them that you are not called my people, 
There they shall be called the sons of the living God. All right. And so uh, the idea and the principle that God called both Jew and Gentile, and because he's called them and they're part of the family of God, they are loved. All right. And so God shows his love to both Jew and Gentile by giving them the invitation to participate in the family of God. So God shows his mercy and his love by extending this invitation. Let's look at another uh, reference to this love, and it is found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 and uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant, as a fragrance. So the principle, a fragrant aroma, the principle here is that we who are loved by God, need to be imitators of God as beloved children. Uh, children who desire to please the Father. Uh, we need to walk in a manner that Jesus walked. We need to imitate Jesus in the way that we live. And so uh, the scriptures are telling us, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Imitate Jesus. Imitate Christ. Imitate God. All right, so let's continue through and look at the principle of loved in one more verse, and that is in 1 John uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 3. So in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, listen to what John says. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that, that we would be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So, beloved, uh, if you've done a number of studies with precept, you'll see that uh, K has used the word beloved within this. This is one of the things that we have in common with the people of Jude that received this letter. We too, we are beloved. God loved us enough that he sent us an invitation to be a part of the family of God. And because this love has been extended to us, 1 John tells us that when we believed, when we received, when we heard the gospel, we now have the privilege of being called children of God. So this is absolutely wonderful. And because we have been extended this love by God, because we are now a part of the family of God, we now are to live and walk in a manner where we are imitators of Christ. And that means not only we love God, we love others. We send that love out to others. Beloved in God. Amazing. You are called, you are beloved. And then let's look at that last word. And that last word is the word kept. Uh, the Greek word tiro, it means uh, to guard or to keep one in state, which is he is able to be kept safe from harm. It's to be preserved. Uh, this word is in the perfect tense, which means that when he uses the word kept, it is to be continually watched over. Uh, this is really great. This is really good for us to know. Uh, the word kept is there in verse 1, but it's also used down in verse 24 when he says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Uh, so 
uh, we've got here in verse 24, the word keep is the word fulasu, which is to keep watch over. And so what is Jude telling us from these words? It is God is able to watch over, to keep guard for believers and to keep them from stumbling. Oh, what do you mean? Hang in there because we're going to go and we're going to look at that verse in the final week of episodes on Jude. All right, so in verse 2, the word uh, kept here, um, in verse 1, sorry, the word kept is simply, it's it's an easy one for us to, to look over here and see that what we've got is the principle of being kept watch, that we're being guarded over constantly. Uh, the Father is keeping an eye and guarding over us, and we know uh, that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to show us uh, the differences between what is good and what is not good. And, you know, this principle of the word kept is found in John chapter 17 when Jesus is praying and he says to guard the disciples in his name when he is uh, leaving them to go uh, back to be with the Father. Uh, You can check out our website as well for training workshops. Maybe you are catching the bug of, hey, I want to learn more about this inductive method. You can find out about how to engage in our training workshops, whether it be online or in person. Uh, Look for those on the events calendar. Maybe you want to get involved in a class. And you don't know whether there's a precept class near you or whether there's one online. Well, all that information can be found on the website. And if you're a leader and you want people to know about your class, go to the website, click post a class, send us your information and we'll get it on the event calendar so people can get into your class and engage in scripture. We need people all over our country engaging in the word of God. Why? Because we are in a battle for truth. Just like we've been looking in the book of Jude, uh, we as people, we need to be contending for the faith. We need to be engaging in the scriptures. We need to be building up our faith and keeping ourselves in the love of God. These are all vital things that you can do. All right, let's look at uh, another principle here. And the next principle is the word peace. All right, so the word peace Uh, here is found in verse 2, which helps us to bring this kind of, this whole principle to an end. All right, so let's look at verse 2. And these three aspects are all kept here for us in verse 2. Verse 2 shows us all of the aspects of love. All right, so may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Uh, You'll notice here that uh, like some of Paul's writings, where Paul uses grace and peace to you, uh, Jude does not use the word grace within his letter. Uh, This is the only place in the New Testament where peace is, and mercy are brought together, where peace, love, and mercy are all brought together in one verse. All right, and so let's look at uh, mercy for a minute, and the, the idea and the principle of mercy is that it's God's compassion for his people, that God extends his compassion for his people. Uh, the principle of Peace. Remember, these are all showing the love of God, that the love of God is multiplied to you. How? Because God showed his compassion through his mercy. Uh, peace. Uh, peace is his gift that comes. It's this quiet confidence that we have in our lives that the work of Christ on the cross that work that justified us has brought us into right relationship with him, and therefore we have peace. This love that he talks about in verse 2, this love, all of these things to be multiplied to you, this love is God's generosity being poured out on us 
because there is nobody, there is no way within this world that we will ever experience this type of love in comparison to what the world or any human has to offer. This love that's being poured out on us starts with the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sins. He took payment for the entire world, past, present, future sins, and this love is absolutely different than anything we will ever experience. May God's compassion, may that peace that comes from the work of the cross, and may this generous love be multiplied to you. It's just amazing that sometimes we can pass over these verses and we can think to ourselves, oh, it's just another greeting. It's not just another greeting. It's filled with amazing truths. All right, so uh, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus, a brother of James, to those who are called, those who are invited to participate in the great wedding or the coming together or being present in in heaven with Jesus through eternal life uh, by faith, the beloved, the, the love of God that's poured out through the work of the cross, that he loved us so much that he sent his son, that the fact that Jesus is keeping guard over us, that it's a constant thing, that he's watching us, that we just have to persevere until his return because we have the down payment of the Holy Spirit of promise that we will spend eternity with Jesus, all of these principles so vital for us, the love of God shown through mercy and compassion, the love of God showing through peace that we have right relationship with him, and the love that is poured out for us is nothing like we will ever experience in our entire lives. Verse 3, because of all these things, because we are called, because we are beloved, because we are kept, because we have God's compassion on us, because we have peace with God, because his love has been extended to us, this is what Jude says, while I was making every effort to you to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it absolutely necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which one for all handed down for the, for the saints. Uh, the principle of contend uh, is to exert an intense effort on behalf of something, to exert an intense effort on behalf of something, uh, to fight for the faith. Uh, the principle of fighting for the faith. Well, we have to ask ourselves, and we can use cross-references to look at this, and the principle is, what is the faith? What are we talking about here? Uh, what does Jude mean? So we're going to go to Galatians chapter 1, uh, and we're going to look at Galatians 1, chapter, uh, 1, verse 23. So Galatians 1, 23, and listen to what Paul says here regarding the faith. Uh, he says, uh, but only they kept hearing. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. All right, so do you hear what Paul Paul's referring to himself, that once he was a persecutor of the church, and now he's preaching the gospel. So he's preaching the faith, that, that salvation is by faith and not by works. Let's look at the next principle of what is the faith, and it is found in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. He says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Do you see what Paul's saying here? Striving together as one spirit. What are you striving together for? The faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, going to battle 
for the faith of Jesus. Uh, let's continue on this principle, and let's look at 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And listen to what Paul says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in those who believe and know the truth. Uh, pay attention. Some will fall away from the faith. They'll follow after false teachers. Isn't this the same thing as what Jude is telling us here? Contend for the faith. Why? Certain persons have crept in unnoticed. And so because certain people have crept in unnoticed, they're going to teach things that are contrary to the gospel. Listen to what he says in verse 6 of First uh, Timothy chapter 4. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following. F following. So here's what you've got. I love, I love the principle here. Pointing out these things to you, brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ, constantly nourished. What? Nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine. What, what do you think Paul means when he says nourished? This is your sustenance. This is your food. This is what's going to keep you strong and healthy. These are the things that you want to pay attention to. All right, let's keep going. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Word of God here. We're talking about the Gospel and the Word of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, listen to what Paul tells us regarding the faith. He says, uh, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, oh, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, we'll get this right. Don't worry. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Whew! Wow. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Do you hear it? Do you hear what the, what the path is through the scriptures. Do you know how many times in the scriptures we are told that people are going to come, that false teachers are going to come? False teachers are going to come and teach things that are contrary to the scriptures, and they are going to sway people by what they are teaching. Why? Because it sounds good. You know what? Sometimes these false teachers are not that far off. They can be very closely in line to what the scriptures say, but just a couple of things that are a little off that we're not quite sure of whether those things are wrong or not. And what we need to do, the first thing that we need to do, according to the scriptures, is that we need to be able to recognize that there is a difference between what God's word says and what some of these false teachers say. Sometimes they're not glaring red flags. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're so obvious, it blows my mind that people who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they get confused by some of this teaching that's so far out. But then there are others where the teaching is just such a close little line. I'm talking about just the smallest difference. Maybe some changes in what, what a word means, or maybe something that sounds so very close that it's really hard to tell the difference. Well, you know how you can tell the difference? By being nourished on the Word of God. You can tell the difference because when you are in the Word of God and you observe the text, when you interpret the text and then you properly apply the text, you're going to come to know God's Word in a completely new way. This is why I am so sold out for the inductive Bible study method. I will use this method until the day I meet Jesus. 
because it has absolutely changed my life in the way that I look at scriptures because I can observe the text. I can see what it says for myself. I can interpret it by going to different books of the Bible and cross-references and using word studies to help me understand what the author's intent was. But then when I put all that together, I can say, how does this apply to my life? And then when I hear other people teaching and it doesn't align with what God's word says, the alarms go off. The alarms go off in my mind and I say, I can't have any part of this. I need to stop listening to this. I need to stop participating in this because this is not the word of God. I have picked up books and people have recommended books to me and I've started to read some of these books and I thought this does not align with the word of God. And I have taken that book and I have just said, I am not going to read any more of it because it is not faithful to God's word. And that's a part of contending for the faith. And the one thing that I think we need to understand is that we can't really contend for the faith unless we really know the Word of God. I think that's the first thing that we've got to do and we've got to understand is that we need to know the Word of God. But along the way, it doesn't mean we go sit in a corner and we don't get involved in the battle until we are scholars in Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. Because we're never going to fully understand the Word of God. There's always going to be new things to unpack. I mean, I have been through the book of Jude four, five, six times. I have taught it in multiple workshops, and I learn something new every single time I get into it. And it's only 25 verses. And I'm so thankful that as you mature in Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are shown things that you've not seen before in the Scriptures. Why? Because if you keep studying other books of the Bible and then you bring it back and you look at how the entire Word of God comes together, it just creates a greater hunger for us to want to study the Scriptures. But you see, what Jude is telling us here is that there are false teachers coming and we need to contend for the faith. We need to battle for the faith. We need to fight for the truth. And listen to what he says in Second uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 to 3 regarding these false teachers, which is very comparable today, to today. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, false prophets arose among you, people just as there will also be false teachers among you. They'll secretly introduce destructive heresies. They'll deny the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many people are going to follow their sensualities, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Folks, Welcome to 2023, 2024, and moving forward. We have seen in the last few years the greatest battle for truth. And you know what? I mentioned this in the previous podcast. I've mentioned this, that we have been talking about this battle for truth at Precept for a very long time because we have seen that people have taken the Word of God. They have twisted it. They have, turned, they have done this since the beginning of time. Paul warned about it. Peter warned about it. Jude's warning about it, that false teachers are going to do this. And people still are swayed by these false teachers. They fall into the trap of their teachings because they sound so good. And because they sound very similar to what God teaches in his word. But they are not. They are not the same. They are much different and they lead to destruction. People are swayed by these things. Folks, as we contend for the faith, as we fight for the truth, we've got to know the Word of God. We've got to be nourished on the Word of God. We have to know it for ourselves. And when we know it for ourselves, we'll be alert. Oh, we'll be on guard. We won't allow those things to happen. And you know what? We're sitting in a world right now where it looks like the Christian church is losing the battle for truth. I'm so thankful for the Word of God, and I know the end. Even though it looks bad right now, I, I just finished teaching Revelation. I know what happens in Revelation. Jesus wins. But it doesn't mean we sit back and we wait. 
doesn't mean we sit in our pews with our hands tied and we don't get involved in the battle. You know why? Because there are people out there who don't know Jesus, that they are headed for destruction. Those people, they're not just on the streets and in the grocery stores and the, in the arenas or whatever. You may see people who don't know Jesus. They're in your family. They're in your church. We need to contend for the faith. We need to keep our eye out and watch for those people who have their own sordid gain and want to malign the truth, the people that deny the master, and we can't allow them to be people who take control of the pulpits. Go and listen to the church's podcast from Revelation. Listen to the church at Ephesus, and one of the things that they were most well-known for was not allowing people into the pulpits who taught false doctrine. They checked their people very well before they preached to the church. We need to be people who know the Word of God. We need red flags to go off. We need to contend and fight for the truth. We need to be teaching sound doctrine. We need to be doing good deeds. We need to understand and teach that salvation is by faith and nothing we can do on our own. We need to fight for the faith. This is a war that you and I cannot sit back and just allow the devil to continue to deceive. We need to fight back with the truth in the same way that when Jesus was in the desert, when he was dealing with the devil, when it came to all those temptations, three times he pointed to the word of God and he said, it is written. Contend for the faith. Contend for the word of God. This is what you and I need to do. And we'll continue to unpack this as we work through Jude over the next few episodes. We'll see you for episode three when we look at the ungodly. In the meantime, go to our website. Grab some resources like Teach Me to Study the Bible in 28 Days. Learn the Word of God for yourself. Learn the value of the inductive method of observe, interpret, and apply. Join one of our website uh, trainings or our online trainings called Essentials of Inductive Bible Study. We'll teach you how to study the Word of God. We'll teach you the principles of the inductive method. We'll teach you how to learn God's Word so that you can contend for the faith. Maybe you need to join one of our online classes and be discipled with others to know the Word of God. One of the things that happened to me when I first started at Precept was this. I sat in a room full of men after pastoring for a number of years. And I was with all these men and I was sitting there and we were working through the book of Galatians in the New Inductive Study series. And I started to be a part of a conversation around a large table with all these men. And the former national director of Precept Tom Hart was leading the Bible study. And he was asking the questions and discussing. And I was sitting beside a guy. And he was answering questions. And he was discussing deeply the Word of God. He was pulling things out of the book of Galatians that even if I had preached it, I had never seen those things before. And I went home and I thought the first thing to my thought to myself was shame. I feel shame that I didn't know the word of God in the way that another individual did. I went to Bible college. I went to a university and studied the scriptures. But here was this guy sitting there and he knew the word of God like I'd never seen before. And he'd never gone to school. And then I met a couple other guys that were in the same, the same boat, the same way. Looking and seeing that they were discussing scriptures and part of a Bible study that I had never been a part of before. This wasn't one of those fill-in-the-blank Bible studies. This was guys engaging in the scriptures. And I didn't get defeated by it. I went home and I challenged myself and I said, I want to know the word of God like those guys know the word of God. 
I want the Word of God to be more than a textbook. I want it to be my life. I want to know the Scriptures. I want to be able to contend for the faith. I want to have answers when people have difficult questions. But more importantly, I want to know it so that I can be more like Jesus. What a blessing and an opportunity that was that day. And from that day forward, I have challenged myself to make Bible study a regular part of my day. I'm not perfect. But I'm excited about what I learn each and every time. And it creates a greater desire for me to teach the Word of God and challenge people across Canada and around the world to contend for the faith. That all comes from getting to know God through the Scriptures. Having a greater love for God creates a greater desire to contend for the faith. My heart breaks for what's happening in the world. My heart breaks even more when the body of Christ does not contend for the faith. We need to stand together as one spirit striving for the truth of God's word in our country. We have a privilege not only to be called children of God, but people called to proclaim the excellencies of him who has brought us out of darkness into marvelous light. Fight for the faith, folks. Fight for the faith. Father, we do thank you for what we've seen in the scriptures today, that we are called, beloved, and kept, that you have called us not only to live a life that's worthy of the gospel as children of God, but you have called us to proclaim the gospel. Father, we can't be people that sit back. We need to fight for the faith. We need to know the word of God and we need to know you better so that we can stand up and persevere in these difficult times that we're facing. Father, this is only the beginning of the battle. The times will get worse for us. Help us to persevere and stand strong. Strive for the gospel to make an impact in our country and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.